Hello, everybody. It's Friday, November 3rd, and we're at Block Hut 492,982 with episode 50. I like round numbers. Do you guys like round numbers? So, uh, dropping the funny voice, Janine, you want to take us into the first story? Yeah, Bitcoin uh, Manchester actually made the statement back on Halloween, but uh, we apparently a lot of people missed it because it just got added to the Bitcoin magazine summary of all the meetups that had made statements. So yeah, Bitcoin Manchester uh, made a statement a few days ago, and they said that due to due to there being no replay protection and no promise of wipeout protection, or the risk of wipeout, or the risk of wipeout, um, they are not going to support Segwit2x. That pretty much sums it up. And they're saying that they're going to consider Bitcoin Core to be the reference client. Woo! I'm starting to get more and more drained the more we do this 2x thing. Yeah, yeah I think we should. One of our show titles should be whatever 2x. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it'll die over the weekend. To be yeah, I mean, there's only two ways it can die. We either keep doing shows until November 16th or whatever it is, or everyone leaves and like, oh, okay, goodbye. Goodbye, 2X. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the last hashtag we have is goodbye, 2X. Can't wait. <laughs> well, who wants to take the uh, Bitso announcement, which I'm now realizing... Um, Firefox doesn't have a built-in translator for. <laughs> well, I checked it out. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I got to translate it, and it says like you know they're they're just clearly pointing out that they want to label the current Bitcoin BTC and Segwit2x as B2x, and yeah, it's just a real clear statement. Like uh, with the statement earlier that we missed, it's just sort of like uh, I guess everybody's sort of taking their position. And uh, yeah, there was like one line of it, of it that I thought was kind of weird. It said, given the uncertainty of this hard fork and probable unviability of any of the chains, we may decide to change the name in the future or the, it says the nomenclature. I'm, I feel like, uh, I feel like there was a translation issue in that part of the statement because it sounded like they were saying neither side of this is going to survive, but other than that, they were saying like B2, Segwit2x is B2x, Bitcoin is BTC. But that one little... So they've, <laughs> so they've kind of done the uh, the trendy thing. We'll, we'll figure this out later, but for now, this is Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, like right now, it appears like that. I mean, they haven't said anything other than, you know, like they hope uh, replay protection could get put in there and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, as far as it's just a small statement from a community there and uh, getting their position on the matter. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's slide on over to something that I can half-heartedly rant about because I'm, I'm sick of this stuff. Right. Blockchain info. Woo! So... Here's the, here's this this uh, this advice that they have um, regarding what people can do while the fork is playing out. If I can find this in here, use Ether to transact. Why are they telling people to to use the Ethereum chain to transact because of the the fork that is disrupting the network that they are causing? That their their solution for is to use Ethereum to transact. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually my favorite question that they include in there. They act like, I think if you scroll down, it says, will Ether be available to transact with during the fork? And it's like, no, I can't think of a single user who would ask that question. <laughs> like, can you imagine any Bitcoin user thinking, hey, I wonder if Ether will be available? Like, <laughs> nobody would ask that question. They just want to put it in there. It's not a free, it, it won't be a frequently asked question. I would be surprised if it would be asked at all. But they include it in there because they want to make people aware for some strange reason that they should be using Ether instead. 
It's just I think they edited it out, actually. <clears throat> I kind of just scrolled back to the top. My brain's not really peak functional right now, but yeah. It looks like they edited that out. Let me, oh, there it is. The page that I have, yeah, the page that I have open does have it. Well, then I well, think they edited it out. I see. just opened this before we go. <laughs> um, wow, where did it go? I swear I just saw it. Oh, I remember it black and white. That's hilarious. <laughs> During Segwit 2X, is that it? Oh, no way. Okay, yeah, my brain is. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> my like... brain is completely. They, re they rephrased it. <laughs> just to make yeah, sure everything's yeah. crystal clear, you know. Well, time for a sip of coffee. But yeah, uh, aside from that insanely ridiculous piece of advice, um, they're pretty much planning on shutting down the ability to send, buy, request, or sell any Bitcoin through the platform during the fork. They're framing things... Um, what happens if there is a network split? They're pretty much trying to use nice flowery language to imply that there is a good chance we might not have a network split. Yeah, that, and they're that, also I calling mean, it an upgrade. They're calling it a, a software <laughs> upgrade. It's like, guys, there was, you know, TechCrunch tried this a few months ago with Bitcoin Cash. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, it's like there's 20% of the mining power at this point that is not running this, like, either definitively or off the bat. So I, I don't know where they think they're trying to take this by saying or framing a split as a, a possibility and not just completely guaranteed. But... Yeah, as a, as a side note to this, though, they still haven't implemented SegWit, one of the so-called uh, biggest wallet providers in the ecosystem that could very rapidly make a huge dent in the overall number of people using this to transact. Fees for their users could be dropped drastically, and they still haven't implemented SegWit. While they spent time implementing Bcash so people could withdraw their Bcash, integrating Ethereum into their wallet platform. I mean, like, what are they doing? <laughs> They're wanting to keep that narrative going that they need, you know, they need the uh, bigger blocks and they need this, uh, this technical upgrade, which, like, you know, we know there's nothing really technical about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean, because all these people are still arguing like, oh, you have to do the 2x part because that was part of the the bargain or whatever we had to get SegWit. It's like, well, if you haven't implemented SegWit, you haven't fulfilled your part of the bargain, so we don't have to do anything either. Also, is closed source and an open source community. That's like, that's like, ah, oh, just so antithetical. Yeah, that's like what main reasons why I think it's was doomed from the start. It's like you're trying to control Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen what that happens, but now we'll see what happens whenever it's a bunch of big companies losing money trying to control it. Yeah, and I believe Peter Todd tweeted at them asking, because they didn't mention replay protection at all in their FAQ. And he asked them, what are you going to do to protect your users from replay attacks? And I don't think they've answered yet but that's obviously a very important question when you claim to be one of the most popular web wallets. But apparently it's not important enough for them to answer. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I know the answer. Because they're going to be suspending, you know, Bitcoin transactions, they don't have to, they don't have to worry about replay protection. If there's a risk of replay attack, they'll just keep suspending. <laughs> Bitcoin transactions until it's safe again or something like that. I bet that's going to be their answer. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks real bad whenever it's like they don't have replay protection and they're talking about they're going to handle your Bitcoin. Don't worry about it. There's no replay protection. It, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It does feel kind of like so shady. It feels like they might be just trying to steal people's coins. Yeah, I, I question most of all their, their user statistics. 
I mean, like we like we've seen so many businesses like over the course of the past month or so constantly trumpeting how many users they have and, and how they represent the community. And it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, like with, with blockchain info, for instance, during my little honeymoon period when I first got to this space and was using them. I probably opened like five or six different blockchain info wallets, which I like moved stuff to, rearranged, and then never touched again. And I mean, like that seems to be the common experience that I have with like people I know who used to use them. And then with with a, a service like Coinbase, how, how many people out there have tried to poke and prod friends or family to like sign up for Coinbase and buy some Bitcoin, and then they they sign up, they register their account. And then they never do anything. They they never move any money. Like they never actually purchase anything. They just got an account and did nothing. And then if they do buy some, most of the time it's a very insignificant amount. Yeah, that's one of the big arguments for their side is like we have so many more users coming on. There there's so many. And uh you're right. I mean I wonder about those users and I wonder how much of it is legit and how much of it is people actually spending money on Bitcoin or because uh, they definitely have the funds to spin up any of this stuff they want to. But um, yeah, it's definitely something we're kind of in the dark about. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's like everybody from the, the No2X side is constantly trying to get like public data like like people might laugh at it that you know you see twitter polls flying around all over the place but i mean there is a a subjective web of trust there where like i can look at people i know i've talked to on voice i have some very high degree of like certainty like that's a real person and i can i can see what they're thinking what they're saying like that's kind of been the rationale of all of these meetup like uh, letters published and like it's like everything we've been trying to do is to get data we can all look at and draw conclusions from but all i seem to see from the other side is just blind like baseless statements of we have consensus or appealing to data that's private company information that they they can't really prove in, in any way and it, it's or, and not even trying to like correlate that with any kind of more specific figure i mean like we all know like the the situation with things like coinbase so many people sign up and never actually use it have they at all tried to provide or like give us some data viewed through the metric of like people who've actually transacted so and so an amount like, you know what I mean? Like they are capable of scrubbing this data and just turning it into average numbers and presenting that. But no, they're just touting total user counts. Yeah, and I just want to point out that uh, apparently Facebook has just found out that 60 million of their accounts are fake. So, and Facebook, uh, unlike Twitter, has been trying a lot harder to go for a real name policy in recent years. So if you still have 60 million fake accounts on your network, I mean, can you imagine how many fake accounts you could easily have in any of these exchanges? It'd be so easy. Yeah. And there's a motivation to do it too, because they're because a lot of people want to be anonymous when they deal with stuff like this. So of course they're going to generate accounts under fake names and things like that. Yeah, it makes me worry about the price. I mean, because I wonder like how much of the price is inflated because of the idea that this is all going on. And uh, I don't know. I've, there's been moments before where it's like you get this story about how much like remember when all that spam was coming through and it was the big narrative was like the network is being overloaded. It's overloaded. And then it, it just sort of killed off. And then a lot of people, you know, I don't know if what necessarily caused the market to tank, but I worry about something like that happening where if like these numbers start to kind of come out to be false, like what would that do to the price? Mm -hmm. And a uh, little random thing I wasn't really planning on showing today, but I figured hell with it. Um, since we brought up the fact that blockchain info is pushing all this nonsense and still hasn't even implemented SegWit, well, look, 
Everybody remember how uh, Keep Key was bought by Eric Voorhees? He apparently thinks it's more important to slap some gold paint on Keep Key and sell it for a markup as opposed to actually implement SegWit for its applet so that the users can save money when they're spending their Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Like, I mean, call me paranoid, but it seems to me like, like a lot of these businesses are intentionally not implementing SegWit just to continue to apply fee pressure for users. Because if they do implement it, hey, that's going to have a rapid effect for their users. They'll realize a savings. They'll continue using it. It'll have an overall effect even on users who aren't using it and bring down fees and net. And then, oh, my God, they can't, they can't continue using their high fee narrative. So why are all these businesses doing so much bitching and moaning about high fees on the network and actively like exacerbating that problem by not implementing the thing that's available for everybody to alleviate that problem. Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, I guess, you know, if your business model is to make money on these fees and this option is to, and you're going with this narrative that, you know, there's nothing that can drive these fees down. I mean, I guess uh, slapping some gold on a keep key could improve your sales. I I still think you're right. It's a stupid business move. They if they want to just like help their customers, they should implement SegWit. But um yeah, I think these guys they have no intention on doing that. And uh, you know, we're seeing that and they're gonna drag their feet until the end and you know, who knows, maybe on the other side they will, but for right now I I tell we're gonna see it happen. Mm -hmm. Although I bet you one thing I bet bet gold uh gold spray painted keep key will be more successful than actual bitcoin gold <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's for sure and uh yeah i'd like to see what uh you know trezor 2 is coming out and i bet you like you know they're destroying it they've already got segwit implemented it's like that's like the use case for these things and you know yeah i like uh we see these companies going different directions yeah, Kiki, you're going the wrong we're, way. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some teardowns of these hardware wallets and go in and and explain all the pieces and the parts and how they work and stuff. And that could be fun. Yeah, we need more teardown. Yeah, but you need to uh, you need to go buy a hardware wallet because I'm not ripping any of mine apart. <laughs> oh, I got I got a broken one. I got the old ledger. We can start with that. Maybe get a couple more. We have this. Uh, we have the donations page. You know, maybe we can use that to fund something like that. Mhm. Mm well, who wants to move along to BTCC? They apparently have felt the need to clarify things since that disaster of an AMA yesterday. BTCC currently considers BTC to be the pre-fork Bitcoin. BTCC considers one megabyte to be the post-fork coin of the Bitcoin blockchain that has a non-witness block size of one megabyte. Seems like a mouthful. BTCC considers two megabyte to be the post-fork coin of the Bitcoin blockchain that has a non-witness block size of two megabytes. From the time of the hard fork on November 16th until at least November 24th, BTCC will consider one BTC equivalent to one one megabyte plus one two megabyte. This like, the, the wording on this uh, is awful. You could not. That's not really a good clarification. No. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I can't even finish this like pretty much they're they're going to wait until the 24th to decide based on market feedback and, and adoption but this is literally the exact opposite of yesterday where bobby lee insisted that the current bitcoin chain is an altcoin after the 2x fork and no matter what even if it's worth more is not going to be renamed bitcoin because it's an altcoin 
did Coinbase make a similar statement in the last day or so? Because I saw someone say they mentioned Coinbase and BTCC in the same tweet that they made similar statements, but I haven't checked. I know Coin. I know Coinbase did release a, a statement with GDEX talking about it would be 24, 72 hours before they made a decision. So I'm pretty sure they're following along that same line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even really make sense of all these different company positions at this point. It, it seems like they just flip in the span of 20 minutes when they realize the entire room is screaming at them. That's retarded. Yeah, they got all these fake users running around with them. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's really aggravating because, you know, we get one statement and then it's says one thing and then another one saying another the next day or next week. And it's really aggravating for people like us that are real Bitcoiners on the side that, you know, you hear these people that have been with us for a long time talking about, you know, oh, uh, you know, I don't know which Bitcoin's the real Bitcoin. It's just, come on, like you guys know what you're doing. You're trying to drag this thing out as long as you can. It's just like, yeah, it's just some, they're the altcoin, it's just like really dragging it out to be some big grand launch. Mm -hmm. Well, Janine, I guess you want to take us into this Goldman Sachs thing? Uh, well, I think uh, before we get into that, there was an update on um, how many companies are still um, per, uh in favor of Sega 2X versus not. There was a website for that. Oh, the, the no 2X? Yeah, there was a, yeah, there, there was a website that it gave a list of all the companies that were um, in favor or not in favor of it. Because uh, to update, because yesterday's show, we mentioned that um, Vinnie Lingham pulled out of Sega 2X, be, citing death threats, apparently, which is interesting because when he was, actually was, I think it was the show you, was that the show you did with Bitcoin Airlog where he said that he wanted to watch all crypto anarchists die or something? That sounds like a death threat, kind of. But yeah, anyway, I think he uh, he wanted to see us all go to an island and kill each other. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, that's a bit morbid, but yes. Uh, so apparently, Civic, which is his basically his KYC blockchain project. Um, essentially, uh, Civic has apparently pulled out of Segwit2x along with um, Bitso, and I think there was another one. Yeah, it was Civic, uh, uh, Bitso, and then. Yeah, there we go. God, my brain hurts. Um, is Obi One listed? Yeah, Obi One. Yeah, Obi One as well. Yeah, so Obi One officially pulled out, which follows with what we heard from Brian Hoffman yesterday. Uh, James Bond, why would we concede to yes to X when people are joining our side? <laughs> uh, but you want to move us along? Dude? Sorry, I was looking for the link. So uh, the uh, CT or CEO actually of Goldman Sachs. Uh, has said that he is interested in Bitcoin. It makes him uncomfortable, but he's open to it, which as someone noted, sounds <laughs> a bit suggestive. But um, yeah, I don't think we can, yeah, you won't hear the clip if you play it, but yeah, he was basically saying that um, he made a comparison to smartphones, which he was not interested in back in the day when they first came out and then they got super popular. And so he thinks that's the case with Bitcoin. Um, I don't know if his interest is a general reflection of what's going on at Goldman Sachs, but I, you know, find it interesting that all of these, because uh, we had uh, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan, who made, you know, who had his say, and that was obviously a disaster. Um, it sounds like there's uh, a portion of JP Morgan employees that disagree with him significantly. Uh, so it's very interesting to see a Goldman Sachs CEO come forward and say <laughs> that uh, Bitcoin sounds 
interesting to him. Yeah, you know, I was surprised to actually hear him say that he thought it was the next sort of evolutionary step here. Like uh, he said, you know, he said paper paper was worth money was worth X amount because it was backed by gold or silver in the treasury. He said now paper's backed by fiat. And, uh, you know, that's something that people don't really trust that much. And, you know, he's saying that this new thing that we're moving toward maybe is going to be backed by a consensus, you know, people agreeing on something not determined by the government and how if he came back in 200 years and things were being run on Bitcoin, he wouldn't be surprised because he'd be able to look back and say, well, this is how that evolved into this. And uh, just to hear him say that sort of thing from his last tweet where he was very neutral on it, saying, but he did say that, you know, people were skeptical about transferring to paper money. So I do think that, uh, you know, he's getting, you know, more bullish on it. I think a lot of these upper level guys are starting to get red pilled on this because I had never heard him say consensus or any of these bigger up high level guys talk about consensus within the Bitcoin network. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So yeah, we'll see how, uh, how the rest, how it continues to unfold. Yeah, there was no mention of blockchain, I think, in that interview. Because what Jamie Dimon said was that the underlying technology of blockchain is interesting, but Bitcoin is dangerous. And there was no mention of blockchain in this interview. Although, to be honest, I would be interested to know, uh, you know, considering Goldman Sachs' role in the financial crash. <laughs> I wonder what exactly got them from that position to this position because i to be honest at the end of the day i don't care what they think about bitcoin because the whole reason a lot of us got into this is to get away from people like him so uh yeah i don't know how to feel about the fact that goldman sachs is not well because he said he wasn't invested in it. he hasn't bought any but he's open to it uh so hopefully he stays open enough to you know <laughs> stay away to be honest eh, i'm not so sure uh we'll get that and uh i'll probably go a little more into that in our last story and uh why i feel that way about things but, but to give everybody a warning that i feel should not be necessary to give uh in an ideal world um don't install strange apps on your phone and then give them your password keys. 5,000 people did exactly that today with a fake Poloniex app in the uh, Google Play Store. <laughs> and I just kind of wish that they would make their own app because this is like the second time this happened, right? Like this happened just a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, Poloniex doesn't have an app on either store. So um, on the Google Play or the iOS store. So if you see a Poloniex app, I wouldn't download it. Yeah, that's 5,000 people that uh, potentially lost a bunch of money today. And I mean, there's no specific uh, number given for the losses from Poloniex here. It's just kind of a general coverage of uh, past malware incidents in the space. But yeah, that's that's a pretty bad one, giving it to your exchange. If, if you don't have 2FA activated, um, say goodbye to all your funds. 2FA everything. So, yeah, I just want to, because I was curious to know, like, how much money the average user probably lost. So there's five, apparently 5,000 downloads of this fake app. Now, assuming that all of them had at least some amount of Bitcoin on it, if the total loss was about $140,000, that means the average user only had about $28 worth of Bitcoin in their account. So it wasn't a huge amount for any given person, although that's assuming that everyone has the same amount, but probably the average is somewhere around $28. Yeah, but what's that going to be worse in the future? <laughs> All right. Well, Another piece of interesting legal news um, that I think everybody probably um, expected to see coming. Uh, Tezos founders are getting sued by uh, a gentleman who invested in their product for securities fraud. In what might become the first uh, class action lawsuit in the crypto space, if I'm not mistaken. 
I like all the ICO ads. This is pretty... <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I made my brain my ad blocker. It, it just ignores them. It, it treats them as white space with nothing displayed to me. Every human being should do this. Well, the one thing I find, um, because I, I tried to look into, because I think it was uh, Dan Darkpill who said that um, the ICO, when you bought into the ICO, you waived your right to um, class action lawsuits. I don't know if he was joking, like, oh, that's probably the case and this whole lawsuit is gonna be waived because of that. But I I tried to look what the terms and conditions were for the ICO and I couldn't find anything. But I I mean, if they, did, <laughs> if they didn't do that, I would be, I mean, if they didn't pull an Equifax, I would be very surprised. I mean, cause not doing that, I mean, that's just something that a smart, legal team would advise them to do is to not to put a, a waiver of class action lawsuits into the terms and conditions but i have no idea whether they actually did that well i mean like uh, as far as like the tasers because it's like a husband and wife couple that you know they they're not new to any of this uh i mean like they're new to ico well are they new to ico because aren't they like redoing an old ico like uh Either which way, like the rules aren't really well specified, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that they could get away from that. Like, but I don't know, like uh, this thing, it looks pretty rough as far as like the financials and everything with uh, this other guy in this other country saying that he's running it. And I don't know, I think this just shows how much the space, the space needs to grow. There's things that we still need to figure out. And uh, that's why all these things, they're just, yeah, the risky investments. I don't know. Hopefully this guy yeah. can get some of his money back. Is, so this is, is not a good governance structure then? No. <laughs> well, so. the, thing, the thing is, they haven't released the token yet. So, you know, they're, whatever governance structure they built you know, wouldn't work at this point. So. That, that's exactly uh, where they goofed up, I think, because the uh, pretty much the, the short and long of the lawsuit is that the uh, the tokens on the network because it is a smart contracting network derive their value from the use or usefulness and popularity of the network but as there is no network running right now uh, they're effectively trying to argue that the use of the token is solely from the trading and the expectation of a profit that a buyer might have so mm, oh Oh my god, I didn't even know that they were called Tezzies. That's so cute. <laughs> That's such a cute nickname for an ICO coin. It sounds like a teddy bear. It sounds like something to hug. <laughs> yeah, cute names won't save you when the lawyers come, though. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know, hopefully this uh, this thing will get hammered out because we need to get some kind of actual legal things going with this to where people understand what they're doing because... Uh, there's certainly a lot of just let's go do it and we'll see how it turns out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's some kind of framework has to get worked out or this is going to be just a giant shit show going forward because we all know the next wave of ICOs is coming soon. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the only use for the Ethereum platform at this point. But I'm getting kind of a little exhausted, so I'm going to try to dive into this last story here. This is kind of why I was thinking that we sadly aren't going to live in a space free from the bankers forever. Uh, Deutsche Bank essentially published a report recently analyzing the potential for the next great economic uh, implosion. And one of the conclusions that they came to is that the three biggest exacerbators for that and fundamental causes are pretty much central banks, financial bubbles, and the insanely high record of debt <laughs> that we are dealing with right now in the world uh, on average globally. And pretty much the entire uh, reasoning for this is uh, a, a little mishmash of a bunch of different factors over the past century pretty much um 
historically speaking, money supplies were not something that ever really just inflated like they do today. I mean, it's, it's always been backed by some underlying resource like precious metals is the historic norm. And we've never really seen any kind of rapid inflation of a supply beyond occasional debasement that was carried out by governments or the normal little tricks like obviously shaving the edges off of a coin and so on and so forth. And you've usually seen the money supply actually inflate directly with new supplies of gold or silver that were discovered. And that's kind of been, you know, the underlying uh, reasoning for money supply inflating. And it, it's really kind of a, a new thing in this century to see like that decoupled and the kinds of inflation that we've seen since fiat currencies became the norm around the world. And right now, one of the things they're looking at to explain why we haven't seen hyperinflation yet since the dollar was decoupled from gold in uh, 1971 is effectively just the way that that timed up right with the rest of the world developing into industrialized economies, in particular China. Because if we actually go look at some of the figures, um, this first one right here, is the average deflation and inflation of a money supply going back to the 1200s. And as you can see, it's kind of moved up and down and generally kept in check with the, the precious metal supply that all the different countries have based their currencies on until we get up to the last 200 years. And we can see around the Great Depression, there was a huge, <clears throat> anybody remember when the Federal Reserve was created? a huge spike up in inflation and we have not seen any deflation since like we have never seen these central banks actually deflate the money supply as was half the reasoning for their existence in the first place it's just been inflation and pretty much the reason why the report thinks that we haven't seen hyperinflation since 1971 when we completely decoupled from gold is the labor markets. And uh, disinflation, for those not familiar with the term, is essentially a, a shrinking of the rate at which things are inflating. And th there's kind of this, this uh, colloquial like understanding of inflation as just meaning like the money supply gets bigger. But really, it's, it's not that simple. Like, to take, for example, um, an imaginary product of a certain supply and a money supply that's chasing that, which is in an equilibrium with a price, it's inflation both for that money supply to grow chasing that and for the supply of the, the product itself to shrink. Like Both of them will result in the actual price of that good rising in, in monetary terms, and they're both a form of inflation. And it's it's more the nuance of, of that relation between the, the goods being the money chasing the goods and not just simply a an isolated analysis of the money supply itself. And how the labor market factors into this is pretty much around, you know, the, the late part of the 70s and, and into the 80s. We saw a huge um, global explosion in the labor supply as China and a lot of other you know, developing markets opened their borders. They started actually engaging in global trade. And obviously when you look at labor as a, a market, you increase the supply of something, the price of it's gonna go down. And so the, the gist of their argument is essentially that with the, the increase in this labor supply, right around the time that currencies actually started heavily inflating, this had an effect on wages for laborers. It, it suppressed them because there's a huge saturation of labor in the market. And ultimately, like, like I said earlier, with inflation being a more nuanced interaction of the, the money supply and the economy chasing goods, that suppression of wages kind of acted as a tempering factor, preventing like the, the money circulating through the economy rapidly increasing. As the, the currency went up, wages came up to compensate and spiraling into that hyperinflation. Well, that's not exactly um, where the state of the world is now. Like we're having 
actually a huge contraction in the, the, the labor supply projected forward over the next 20 or 30 years. And in a lot of developed countries, like in Japan, for instance, is on the leading curve of this. The next generation of workers is drastically shrinking because the rate of population growth is drastically shrinking. And kind of the, the whole picture here this is setting up is as the labor supply shrinks, well, that's going to have an effect on wages and it's going to drive them and when, when you look at that in, in isolation, you might think, well, less people are going to be working. They'll be getting more. Hey, the money supply is going to stay roughly the same and, and prices shouldn't inflate. But that ignores the fact that we have the, the entire generation leaving the workforce right now counting on their pension funds and, and their retirement money, which is kind of a ticking time bomb in the fact that that money's not there. But looking at this abstractly in an economic or economical sense, like the, the labor supply is shrinking, their wages will be going up, but that's not keeping the amount of money hypothetically in the economy chasing goods at a, a static level because all of these people retiring, their money is still going to be flowing in the economy. And pretty much the, the, the thesis of this report is that and, you know, when we're not even talking in context of the report about the, the pensions imploding, that is going to exacerbate this hyperinflationary tendency of fiat currencies that was kind of held at bay just through the sheer coincidence of, of how the, the economy as a whole evolved, which saturated the markets with, with labor that suppressed wages. And they literally directly in this report say that we're going to have to look into alternatives for fiat if this report is correct, because it's if this would essentially prove that fiat currencies have just a natural tendency, all things being equal to hyperinflate. And it's simply been environmental circumstances that were pretty much coincidences that prevented that from happening when it should have, when we left the gold standards in the Bretton Woods system in 1971. And they actually specifically mentioned cryptocurrencies in the report. So this is, you know, this, this whole space, like everybody views it as kind of like a, okay, and not everybody, that's, that's a bit of an overgeneralization, but there's a large amount of people in the space who view this in a, as a kind of bucking against authority or like a fuck the man type thing. But I mean, let's step back and kind of digest like, what I just summarized out of this report. Even these people themselves are now starting to recognize like complete systemic flaws in, in the global economic system as it exists today. And they're looking at us as a potential out and answer, yeah. a way to stop that from imploding. So yeah, the, I mean, the stakes of this, it, it's, it's much bigger than just, I don't like government. Like this, this is something that is now being looked at by the, the pillars of the world economy as something that could potentially stop everything from imploding on itself. And you know, this wasn't exactly a rant or me angry, ah, other Bitcoin are stupid. But I mean, I, that's something I think we need to really let sink in and consider as everybody goes forward in the space. Well, I mean, I, I got into this because I saw that there was a, a huge issue of trending in the markets. I was like, oh, a lot of this stuff looks unnatural. Like, this just doesn't look like it. It looks like gravity should be a factor here on these markets. And that there is no, there's no natural flow to them. There's no, like, there, there's no proper weight to it because people aren't appreciating what that relates to. So, like, uh, you know, it just kind of makes sense to me that, that, like it's working out this way and i kind of agree with the the, the general summary there yeah i mean uh you know i know inflation is kind of like a uh, real nuanced subject where you could kind of get into the weeds with it but uh i think this is what lloyd blankfein was you know he was going on about how he understands that that this could be the evolution of it is because you know these guys are seeing that this is like because uh, when he, lloyd was making his statement he said he didn't like just say like this is how it was he said i understand my history and this is the way money has evolved and then he went into saying that statement and uh so i think that he understands that you know 
there's a reason why this could be the next evolutionary step and it's because it could yeah it could pull us off of this ledge that might be you know who knows how these crashes are going to turn out and uh you know hopefully cryptocurrency can kind of have like a, a nice sort of infrastructure built up enough to where when that thing does happen it won't be such a hard transition well part of a, part of this i think is natural when you're so scoped in into an industry and you, you have your finger on the pulse of that industry you're going to miss the macro observations that are happening you are going to miss the trend if there's something outside of your space it is like, you know, it's, it's very easy to do. So I can't really even finger the blame on anyone in, the, in that position. Like you have your head down working, it's, you know, like it, it's, it's hard to observe at all. Yeah, I think this is one of those things that really kind of creates Bitcoiners is because they fall down that rabbit hole of like, what's going on with our economy? And then when you start looking at it, you start to see all these flaws and like, well, what is QE and what is... Uh, what happened to this, uh, you know, bank bailout and you start researching and you see these big flaws. And, um, you know, I really feel like those guys, they do have their head down and they're working on it, but I feel like they kind of are aware. They're at least aware that there's something going on back there that, uh, maybe not guys like Jamie Dimon, but certainly people like, uh, Goldman Sachs, I'm sure they've got enough smart guys in their, you know, in their system to where they're sort of getting like feedback that, you know, we need something else beyond what we're doing right now to keep this thing going. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like, it, it boggles my mind, you know, like I said uh, earlier this week, you know, to think back a little bit, a couple years, like we were laughing at the idea in part as a community of actually becoming a world reserve currency. Like, oh, we'll probably just fall into a niche. Or like, you know, that that's that's a moonshot. Well, guess what? Here we are. And now one of the biggest banks in the world is literally looking at this space to potentially be exactly that. And you have all of these CEOs in the Bitcoin space, all of these idiot public figures screaming and lying and spreading misinformation and manipulating the narrative and just pushing for control to their narrow interest or their narrow interpretation of the holy white paper scriptures and just ignoring the whole fucking reality that the rest of the world is starting to implode on itself. And more and more people are starting to look to this ecosystem, this technology, as to way to dig themselves out of that hole. While everybody's slap fighting in the mud, screaming over who interpreted Satoshi's white paper the right way. I mean, like, like when the fuck are, are the people, like, we're, we're just assholes sitting here doing a video about this to hopefully, like, educate people. And it seems to me we have a tighter grasp on reality than these fucking asshole CEOs just scrambling and bitching and looking for the next VC funding round that seem to have no goddamn idea what the fuck is going on or where they are. It, it, it boggles my fucking mind. It, it really does. Because that thing that we considered a moonshot, a one in a million chance, not two fucking years ago, is right on our goddamn doorstep. And if we can't fucking get our shit together and stop this fucking stupid bickering and social posturing in a tiny percentage of the fucking overall community of this world, well, guess what? We won't, even though it literally walked up to our fucking doorstep and presented itself as a potential path forward for this. Yeah, man. Well said, dude. I mean, like... Uh... I really feel like you're right. I wish that more people would start stop doing the preachy thing about we we want this or we want that and just like get the development work done to where we're solid. And uh, I don't know, a part of me does kind of hope that, you know, this is really like as much as it's politics, this is part of the development work because we do know that like maybe the there won't be like uh, acceptance here or there and we're going to get big fights like this in the future. So Hopefully, you know, this will develop our immunity towards these things in the future if something like that happens. But, uh, yeah, I wish that we could just get to where 
this thing is ready to go mainstream because uh, right now I worry about that. You know, I don't think we're really ready. And um, yeah, hopefully we can keep moving forward with actual real developments instead of just bickering. I just remembered something. There's a, been a picture of a t-shirt going around that it's like someone purposely designed a t-shirt that has like rips and writing over it. And it's supposed to, it's like the revolution t-shirt. And people are saying, oh, this, the revolution will be monetized. And I think <laughs> that <I> just, that <laughs> <rem> <laughs> well, cause it's like rip. It's a, I think it's a whole outfit ensemble. It's a ripped shirt and jeans. And it's like someone actually created a, like a protest outfit and they're selling it. Like I, that's crazy to me. And that reminds me of all these CEOs that they're like, like that's that's their the Sego two X thing is their version of it that they're trying to sell a revolution, but they don't. They're like losing grasp of the principles that you know make this thing great in the first place. They're just here for the money. That's about it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, uh, hopefully, you know, well, they'll start to see the light of why they're actually here and what Bitcoin is. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm kind of wiped today. We got like a really late start. Anybody else got anything they want to cover? Or, uh, last words they want to chip in? Hey, just, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the end of this week without Chris. I hope Chris is doing well over there with you. And Janine and Shinobi, good job taking over for the week. And yeah, let's have a good weekend. Start the week strong. Yeah, I hope Chris uh, is feeling a little better, but I am nothing but a weak imitation of him at best. <laughs> oh, you're Alrighty, doing then. a great job. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I, I've been a complete uh, ranty goof. <laughs> but uh, on that note... People um, keep asking I for am... your rants in the chat box. Well, I, I'd give them anyway, even if they didn't ask. But... As Acknix pointed out, I am your dictator. You will like, you will subscribe, and you'll deal with it. Have a nice weekend, no, everybody. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't listen. It